My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they taught me how to shoot with a steady hand. I guess that's something you don't understand. Welcome back to another episode of All American Wing Shooting Podcast. Today we have Nick DeCastro from Montana with Land Trust. How are you, Nick? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on, Anna. Yeah, so I'm so excited when um, I got the email about your company and the principles of taking big farms and ranches and using it as like an Airbnb for hunters to go and hunt private land. I preach about hunting private land all the time. I'm from the South. We're all about it down here. Um, We don't have access to a lot of public land, but we take a lot of pride in um, the stewardship of taking care of the land. And that's really a a big um, pride thing down here in the South. So what you're doing just extends that across the country. So I'm so excited to hear how you got started and your relationships with these uh, with the landowners. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to hear. And yes, we do, you know, I'm based in Montana and the Rocky Mountain West obviously has a majority of the lower 48's public land. And look, public is a is a great resource. And myself, the people who work at Lanchos, we've all grown up and hunted and fished and recreated on public land. But yes, private land is an extremely important um, part of the ecosystem. And I think the lower 48 is probably 70% private. When you speak about hunting, Eight out of 10 licensed hunters in the U.S. hunt private. Um, the matter of fact is most of the hunters live in states with less than 20% public lands. Uh, I mean, shoot, look at Pennsylvania has more licensed hunters than Montana has citizens. So you look at Texas, same thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of those topics. Obviously, we're a private lands company. Um, we are unabashedly pro-private lands, private property rights, and you know, recognizing these landowners who do, as you mentioned, take a lot of pride uh, and steward that land and provide an incredible habitat for wildlife. So, you are you have a website that's set up pretty much <laughs> like Airbnb thing. You go to your website, you put in the species um, that you're looking to hunt, and then it just pops up with all the properties across the country that are available. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you go to landtrust.com, you can kind of, it, it does, it looks very familiar if you've ever used an Airbnb or VRB or any of these other marketplaces. So it, it is important. We are a marketplace and, you know, to the average person, that means, you know, this isn't leases, this isn't anything like that. We're not an agent. Um, you're, you're using land trust to connect directly with the landowners who are listing their own land that they own on land trust. Um, and so, yeah, you can search by state or species or, you know, activities. We do facilitate more than just hunting. Hunting is definitely like I started the company because I'm a hunter and I wanted to use it. Um, but yeah, uh, hunting, fishing, shed hunting, uh, we're getting to the kind of the RV space and all sorts of different outdoor activities that you can do on beautiful private ground. But for hunting specifically, um, yeah, you can go to land trust, search by the state, or if it's upland hunting, you can search upland hunting and you can see all the different properties all over the country that we have that offer opportunities to access that property for hunting birds. Okay. So tell me what was that aha moment that you got when you said, I have to create land trust. Yeah. So I moved to, um, Bozeman in the end of 2016, 
And I just wanted to be, as you and I were talking before we hopped on here, I, I did a lot of travel from my career prior. I did about 10 years doing um, advertising, marketing, technology sales. So I did a million miles probably by the time I was 28 and just got, you know, a little bit burnout, lived in all, all sorts of different cities. Um, so I decided I wanted to live close to the things that I'm passionate to, um, like hunting, fishing, the outdoors. And you can always catch a flight to a city if you need to for work or whatever. So I moved up here and then was kind of instantly confronted with the concept or the idea that is land trust today, which is, hey, we have a ton of public land around here, which is awesome. It's a great resource, but we also have a, you know, a ton of amazing farm and ranch lands around here um, that I was happy to pay to have access to. There's just no real easy way to do it. And, you know, door knocking, I think it's just less and less effective um it's uncomfortable you know i'm a sales guy i'm not like a shy person but still walking up to a stranger's door and knocking on it and asking them for something uh i don't know just was not a very great experience and on their side too if they have great ground i'm not the only sportsman who's thought that uh and so they're getting a bunch of people knocking on their doors every day and if we're talking about farmers and ranchers you're interrupting their day this is you know they're working all the time and getting five to ten people knocking on the door every day i don't know it's just a, not a great experience so uh, I had been a, an early host on Airbnb's platform back uh, when I lived in New York City in like 2010, 2011, and I saw how powerful marketplaces are in the sharing economy. Um, and it's, hey, I've got this thing that I'm not using. I'm willing to let other people use it and generate some income. They get a place, you know, they get what they want. I get what I want. It's a, you know, kind of a win-win there. So having had that experience, it seemed like an obvious opportunity to say, well, let's see if we can make this work for access to, to private ground. What year was that? What year did you guys start? Um, well, I started thinking about it in 2017, but I didn't actually, until the, I really decided I was going to do it in uh, 20, early 2019. So we actually, you know, put the website live, I think it was October 2nd of 19. So we're almost four years old uh, as far as that goes. You guys are fairly new, but I mean, there's, there's so much buzz about what you guys offer, even in my Upland community here down South, like people are aware of your company and that is just, that's good to hear. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, it was really neat to send out some text messages and ask like if anybody I knew would actually use the, the website or whatever, but I think you have had a really strong presence at some conventions and just trade shows mm -hmm. and stuff. And so word travels fast and we are a pretty small community over here with the bird hunters. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. We're starting to see like the, this week for whatever reason, maybe they all all their ears were tingling that I was going to come on your podcast, but we've just started to see a ton of bird hunting bookings lining up. And, you know, bird hunters, I, I, first of all, I grew up hunting birds. So I didn't even hunt big game until, I don't know, 2015 or 2016. Um, so I grew up in Southern California hunting, you know, primarily California quail over Britney's. And, you know, we'd get up and do some chucker hunting too, like, uh, and occasionally pheasant and do all that. But quail was the target species. Uh, so bird hunting is what I've been doing since I was three years old with my dad and my brother and whatnot. But um, we are a little bit tight knit community. Um, unfortunately, I don't get to do as much of it now as I used to. Uh, as I was telling you before we hopped on, I have three little kids and obviously a company to run. So uh, time is at a premium, I'd say. Well, I haven't been to Montana to chase pheasants yet. That's kind of a bucket list thing. So I guess I'm going to have to hop on there and yeah. see if you have available. Well, you should. And we should uh, we should link up. Um, 
one of our, our our guy who leads partnerships here, Trevor, he has six bird dogs. Uh, he's a bit of a, a maniac, I would say. So, I did it uh, one time. I was right there with him. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, yeah, that wouldn't fly with my wife. Um, but, uh, you know, not only pheasants, I mean, I don't know if you've ever hunted huns or Hungarian partridge, uh, but we've got huns and sharptail and we do have sage grouse and whatnot, but uh, there's a lot of fun birds up here. Huns are a really fun bird to hunt. And they're a pretty good bird to eat too. Well, I'm down to three dogs. And that's only three. Like, okay. yep, yep. I'm down to three dogs and that feels like a vacation. I don't have any puppies. What, you, what kind of dogs do you run? labs and short hairs and i got a black lab right now he's a big he's a big dummy but he also will jump in the water when it's like 10 below zero up here (laughs) (laughs) and they're great you know they're great with kids so i know that you have a lot of upland properties but are you offering Mm -hmm. waterfowl properties as well yeah absolutely so you know just for folks who who listen to you who may not be familiar with land trust again we're we're a marketplace uh our landowners are primarily multi-generation farm and ranch families. So these are production agriculture. Um, and really with land trust, what you're getting is you're booking exclusive access for the time uh, that you'd like to be out there. So it could be as little as a day or it could be a week or whatever. So it's not a long-term lease. It's nothing like that. You're literally just coming and saying, Hey, you know what? I want to maybe, you know, I'm a bird hunter. I want to find three or four properties around Lewistown in Montana to hunt Sharpies and hunts and some pheasant. And so maybe I'll book, a day here, two days here, and a day over here, and just get to go do that. Um, so having prefaced that, yes, we absolutely do have, um, obviously, a lot of big game properties, a, a lot of waterfowl properties, tons of turkey. Like, we did more turkey bookings last year than anything else. Um, and just to your listeners, again, these are all farms and ranches. So we all know farms and ranches are like the best places to go out and hunt uh, because essentially, uh, you know, Crop is food. They're feeding them. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we're, we're just launching North Dakota right now and we're starting to put on some really great kind of pothole, um, pothole places. So both for fishing and for birds, uh, and waterfowl, of course. So we've got some really amazing ranches in the sand hills in Nebraska. And I don't know if you've ever been oh, there. I have been there. Oh, I love so this. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to go, uh, we have a, we have a 40, I want to say it's 46,000 acre ranch down there. And it's such a, for people who haven't been there, it is like the coolest ecosystem I've ever seen. It's, you know, they say it's like the Sahara desert, but covered in grass and the water table is like an inch underground. So you're just looking out over all these pastures and everything. And I remember the, the rancher hills. there. Just yeah. Hills and, oh, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah, and the, the, the rancher who that family is a sixth generation family. He's like, all right, well, uh, go out over there and you'll find a bunch of ducks over there. I'm looking and it's I'm just looking at pasture. He's like, no, just walk over there. And you walk up and all of a sudden there's marsh and there's 600 teal in there. And out in the sand hills, it's such huge country and it it just doesn't get hunted for birds. So we'd go, we walked up there, they all get up, we shoot some birds, they circle around and come and sit right back down. Like they just zero pressure it's almost it's in some cases it's too big a country to hunt you almost want more pressure to keep pushing yeah. birds around but we saw incredible amounts of waterfowl um and yeah there's some really we have some beautiful ranches out there that you can have just an incredible time on okay so people are getting all excited now i'm sure hearing about their um it's not that it's easier but 
Well, it makes it makes access easier. It's still it hunting. does. It, makes, know, it does make your planning yes. much easier. And then you also like, do you have access to them for um, like where they've seen the birds or like ideas of the property right. where you should go? Are they right. staying on these properties or are Good you question. supposed to get a hotel in town? Like, is it or is yes. it just a mix of things? Good question. So I like to tell people it's like digital door knocking, right? So you're not. A, 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 for for people who are going to places they've never been to, and I'm sure you've done this, I've done it, obviously. It's like you spend all this time, you drive to, I've you know, done, before I lived here, I drove to Montana to go bird hunting with my dad. And yeah, you go check the public spots and they're busy. And then you try to go door knock and you end up eating a bunch of your time just trying to find a place to actually go do the activity, to go hunt. Yeah. And we always had Britneys and they didn't like other dogs. Like they're really sweet with people. But so if we saw the people out there running dogs, like we knew our dogs were going to get a fight with them. They just whatever it was in their nature. So you end up burning all this time and money driving around trying to figure it out. So what land trust does is again, you're, you're connecting directly with the landowners. And so in every single one of them is good with hosting hunting. That's why they're on, that's why they're on land trust and you know, their prices up front. So one of the huge advantages, especially with these multi-generation families is they've lived and worked on that land their entire lives. Um, and they know it really well. And yeah. so just like if you were to knock, knock on a farmer's door and they gave you the green light, they'd be like, Hey, you know, we usually see birds over here and it, yeah. they give you the lay of the land. So it's, right. it's, it's exactly that. Only you get to do it digitally before you show up. And so if you wanted to come out here to Montana, you go and look at Montana, all the upland spots we have or waterfowl or big game or whatever, you send out some messages, you find places that you like and you book it with a credit card um, you know, we do insurance, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's like booking an Airbnb or a VRBO. Um, it's the exact same concept. So yeah, absolutely. The farmers and ranchers and the other really big benefit too. And again, nothing against guides or outfitters. There's really great ones. There's also, by the way, really terrible ones. Um, but our, our landowners, this isn't their business. And so what I mean by that is that they're not trying to sell you. In fact, we see quite the opposite with our landowners. They will tell you, hey, we've had a drought and the populations are down. We're not going to hunt this year. Like, we're not going to do any of that. So you don't have to worry you're being sold something, even if it's not going to be a great experience. Um, it's just not in their nature. This isn't their full-time business. They they grow our food, fuel, and fiber for our country. That's what they do for, you know, living. This is just a way for them to generate some extra income from this resource that they have. And it's got to be awesome to hunt on a property that's six generation you know like just to be able to to have that access is a massive bonus huge and the families are just i mean honestly i started the business because i i was on the i wanted to use it but as we've built this business over the past few years we're over a million and a quarter acres today but really i'm passionate about our, our landowners these are the backbone of our country they're salt salt of the earth people who are doing an absolutely necessary required job for us to all live because they're growing our food. Um, and yeah, these they're, they're phenomenal people. Um, so I did want to touch on, I forgot you asked about the lodging piece. It's a good question. It can depend. So again, these aren't dude ranches. They're not hunting lodges. These are just farms and ranches that they're allowing access to. So some of them will have lodging and lodging could be anything. We're starting to get into the RV space. So like, hey, if you've got a rig, like you can come out and park it out here. We maybe have hookups or maybe we don't. Um, they might have a bunkhouse. They might have a really nice house. They might allow you to tent camp or they may say there's no lodging capability here. 
So it really depends on the property. Um, and on the website, when you look through listings, you'll see like lodging available or RV friendly. Um, so, you know, lodging is not a requirement for managers who list with us. Obviously, if, if you do have lodging, it helps, uh, it helps people be able to book it a little bit easier in case, yeah, you're two hours away from a town or something like that. Oh my gosh, that happened to me in uh, North Dakota. We were, yeah. I think, at least an hour from Walmart, you know, and then there was like no grocery store. You roll into town and you're not really sure what's available and what's not. And everything closes at five o'clock. And yeah. the yeah. only gas station was there was like pay at the pump, you know, it was, it yeah. was, it was an awesome experience but when uh when you get there like it takes you a little while <laughs> the logistics can be a little bit yeah a little bit tough um but you gotta so, make sure like you have plenty of dog food if you're traveling out there like yeah. you can't run out of anything because nothing is easily accessible yeah unless you have a lab like mine who he will survive he eats everything he'll go he'll go <laughs> graze grass he doesn't care like my lab he'll he'll, he'll live the apocalypse he's living so what if you are a farmer or a rancher that is looking to get connected with you? What does that look like? Sure. So, uh, you know, again, most of our million and a quarter acres in 30, I don't know, we're in 35 states maybe, are multi-generation owner-operator uh, farmers and ranchers. So what I will tell our ranchers, these are our business partners. Um, they own this amazing asset. We build the technology and market it, and that's our partnership. So we're, we're extremely service oriented all day, every day in our office here in Bozeman. Um, we're talking to our landowners and our customers. So both sides, we're not some company that, you know, has an automated phone service and anything. So there's real life human beings here. We know our farmers and ranchers are really busy people. So if they're interested, they can call us, they can text us and we'll, you know, we'll visit with them over the phone. We don't sell anything, right? So it's not like, hey, pay us some money. Uh, we only make money when our landowners do. So it's when we make money on transactions. So, you know, when someone makes a booking, we we take a percentage of that. And our percentage is 80-20. The landowner keeps 80%, we keep 20%. Um, and so we'll we'll build all your listing for you. You should send us some photos and whatnot. Um, you know, we'll walk you through the whole thing. We'll build it all for you and make it really, really easy. We have a great landowner onboarding team here. That's all they do is they just help landowners get their listings, you know, looking good and up and running and starting to do bookings um so it's it's really easy you can call us uh we should know the number off the top of my head it's on our website so if you go to landtrust.com there's a landowners button there yeah um if you click on it you can read about other landowner testimonials watch videos you know and then there's a there's a phone number so just call us or text us whatever you whatever you like Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna plug in our special right now because it's really funny that you say a lot of people had been booking upland hunts because this week I got in that mindset as well. And yeah, I, was, I don't know what it is. Stories, I'm like <laughs> countdown for this, and then South yeah. Dakota is this, and everything. And so I was literally just doing that this week. So we are offering today um, the All American Wing Shooting 15 promo code to waive the land trust booking fees for all listeners. It's a 15% discount up to $500. So if anybody's listening and you guys think, oh my gosh, I am so interested in this, look at landtrust.com and your discount code is All American Wing Shooting 15 for the 15% off. And we will give you that again at the 
end of the episode and then we'll yeah. also post it in the description so that it's not lost and i'll try to put it on my website yeah and again if if for whatever reason you forget the promo code just call us like we've got customer service guys here that will help you so don't be if you've never done anything like this or book stuff like this which you probably haven't because we haven't really existed for too long but um we're here to help you we're very service oriented so you know we'll just give us a call or text us and we're happy to help you out so what are the feedbacks? You get calls from customers that are like, holy smokes, I just had the best hunt or I just met the most incredible family. Like, what are these stories that you're getting? It's funny. I mean, <clears throat> in in the reviews, because every it's just like, you know, any of these other marketplaces where after the booking or the trip happens, both parties review each other, right? Okay. Um, and we oh, go gosh. and read these. Both parties, yeah. that's like Uber. So if you're a bad yeah. client, you'll get that's back right. on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we and it honestly, we've had like 96, 98 percent five star reviews from the landowners to their guests. And that's awesome. pretty that's, astounding. That's really awesome. Yeah. So when you read the reviews, the landowners, it's always you almost always read the same type of thing. You see the word respect a lot from landowners when they're kind of rating their guests. They, they were super respectful, appreciative. You know, that is really the common theme we read. And then on the on the guest side, when they are reviewing kind of the landowners, it's always a paragraph about how cool the, the property was and the landowners and meeting the family and seeing these new places they've never been to. And like, of course, yeah, it was a great, great time going out and hunting. Um, but it's really about that connection between these two parties. This is, again, nothing against guides or outfitters, but it's not it's not guiding. It's not outfitting. It's not a, a you know, a hunt club or something like that. This is just going out and meeting Every day really amazing people. people. That's and right. I love and that. that. Like that's exactly what I wanted this podcast to be about was the heart of the all American hunter. And there's no yes. better collaboration. When I first started bird hunting, I came out of the horse world and it oh, was yeah. crazy. It was like every bird hunter seemed to be like horse people or cow people. And it was <laughs> the coolest thing um, yeah. to see the collaboration of these industries and so i just i love what you're doing i saw the website i'm like how did i not know about this before well um, we're working our way towards you so obviously we started here um and you'll see that we've got a lot of ground in montana in kansas in nebraska north dakota is coming up on online but missouri so we're moving kind of east and south from uh you know where we are here i'm sitting in bozeman montana um so we're coming your way for sure. Uh, so how can we help you? How can we spread the word about what you're doing? Because it takes all of us to keep private land. You know, I do want to talk about the controversy of, of all the private land and there, there is let's talk about it, but then the, the upland community about, you know, you're not a real hunter unless you hunt public land and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> when you're from the South and you just don't have that access, you just think like, yeah, what in the world like it's so foreign to hear those types of comments and then also to know the work and the effort and the money invested the sacrifices that these That's family right. stories have to keep their land is like that is the number one thing to celebrate for absolutely like the all-american like cowboy lifestyle or whatever you know That's that right. we're attracted to this imagery of the American hunting um, community? Well, <clears throat> I would say first and foremost, uh, property rights is kind of like the 
the cornerstone of the American dream. So like we can own private property. Um, it's a very weird world in the hunting world specifically this like, I don't know, this false dichotomy that you either have to like private land or you have to like uh, public land. Like, like you can like them both. I like them both. You know, <laughs> it doesn't, it's not like I hate public. No, I mean, this is all great. Uh, so we're, again, we're staunchly pro private property, pro private property rights. And, you know, that means that we support landowners in whatever decisions they make, you know, of, around access for, you know, hunting, fishing, whatever. So if they want to allow open, free public access, great. If they want to not allow any access, great. If they want to go into a government state program to allow access, great. If they choose someone like us, great. We celebrate those all the same because we're celebrating them getting to exercise their property rights. I don't own ground today, uh, but when I do, I hope I have the ability to exercise my own, you know, property rights. And, you know, especially when you get into these multi-generation farm and ranch operations, um, this public-private thing, a lot of people have tried to point to like, oh, hunting influencers and all this stuff, or, you know, hunting has become too popular and it's crowding out all of our public lands and all of my hunting spots. I would argue that actually it's not, we actually statistically speaking, do not have more hunters today. If you go look at like hunting license sales data, it is, it is relatively flat. Now per capita it's going down, but I mean, in the last 10 years, anywhere from let's call it 15 to 16 million hunting licenses and tags and stuff sold in the US. This is all not extrapolated data. This is like exact sales data. So we have relatively the same number of hunters um, actually out enjoying the sport. What is happening is we are losing 175 acres an hour of agricultural lands. To development so i would i would say hey public land hunter is great we like public land too but uh private land is 70 percent of the lower 48 it provides a ton of habitat for the species that we all love and i am much more concerned about uh, losing agricultural lands to development because once they're developed they will never come back have you ever mm -hmm. seen a subdivision be turned back into ag land or habitat never. you ever seen a dollar general a costco like it just doesn't happen Right. So the moment that happens, it's gone forever. And yeah, maybe you didn't have access to hunt that property before, but it was habitat for the deer, the turkeys, the birds, everything that you like. They are over there. They're eating. They're having their cover. And now that's gone. And so you lose. I experienced this personally in Southern California growing up. We used to be able to go quail hunting 20, 30 minutes from home. Now my dad basically doesn't hunt because everything has been developed. There, There is no more wildlife or habitat. So to me, we should stop this whole like internal bickering around public or private. Where'd you shoot that? You know, I was like, it's such a dumb thing and focus on how can we make sure that um, we can be a part of the solution of keeping these private lands that are agricultural undeveloped lands like that, because that is the biggest threat. The reason that there may be more crowding, it's not because Joe Rogan's talking about hunting. I'm sorry. There's too many hoops to jump through to get your hunting license. Yeah, maybe he's adding some people to it, but it's the fact that, yeah, uh, I mean, my house here in Bozeman is wasn't a wheat field five years ago, six years ago, um, and it will never be that again. So, you know, I, I, I try to change that conversation. It sh we shouldn't be talking public or private. We shouldn't be fighting with ourselves internally. The thing that we love to do, it actually could get legislated out of existence. So you can look around the world to a lot of other places where hunting is illegal. That we are, you know, if you like to surf or ski or golf or any of these other hobbies that get you outdoors, they are they have no threat of being made illegal. 
hunting absolutely does. And you can see around the country, states, you know, Washington, Oregon, et cetera, are trying to make their moves to make hunting illegal. So instead of, you know, fighting inside the tent, why don't we have a unified front and say, hey, cool, you like to hunt public, me too, I like private, cool, who cares where you go hunting? Let's all just be hunters and make sure that we're making sure that our thing that we love doesn't get made illegal. I love that. And that has been my message for, well, I mean, since I started, because it's just so weird when you, when you're not raised in this bubble and you come from the outside, in, you see things so differently because it hasn't been your norm your whole life. Yeah. You know, and so it causes you to have a different perspective. And um yeah, that that's kind of been my exact message. Not kind of, it's been my exact same message. And I do both, but I just think that it is the coolest concept to get to go and support a rancher or farmer, knowing that you're gonna spend money hunting anyways. Like, why that's not right. help somebody else continue doing what they're doing because they're giving back to you already? That's yeah. And and I think that's such an important point. You know, it's, we, we hear these messages of like eat local, like buy local beef, buy local produce, drink local beer that's made here. Like why? Well, to support the farmer and rancher. Well, we could do the same thing with hunt local or recreate local. Like, Hey, this is how cool is this? You get to go out to a new place to do this thing that you're super passionate about. And you get to put money in that person's pocket. Who's making that possible for you. Yeah. To me, that seems like a really cool idea. And, I love it. you know, I, I just, I, I'm kind of scratching my head sometimes with some of the people who's just, it seems so selfish that they want to just, I like this thing, so I want it for free. And if I don't get it for free, I don't like you. And I think you're bad. And I've honestly, that's a perspective here in Montana. We have, you know, other than maybe Missoula, Montana, Bozeman's probably the least friendly place to start a private lands company. Um, so, you know, we've, we've heard it all, but. Why honestly, is that? I don't know. There's, there has been this, um, public lands movement that has really been like almost made into like a political ideology. Mm-hmm. Again, I love public lands. We, we go out and do all stuff. It's a great, cool thing. Um, okay. So being from the outside in, right? Like yeah. here I am from the South. I can't understand why that would actually be controversy when Yellowstone has been so huge, right? Yeah. For the world. And all they're doing is a fighting to keep their private land. That's what yes. that whole thing's about. Because yeah. like you say, they're putting, um, they're developing property will never go back to what it is. And the entire message of that whole right. show, all the drama is exactly what you stand for. Yes. So, you know, it is, it's a head scratcher to me. Um, I think a lot of their arguments kind of break down when you actually start to pull the thread. Um, a lot of it is a very emotional argument. They just, it's kind of like raising your voice. It's like, okay, well, why don't we, we don't have to raise our voices. We can talk about this. And I want to understand why you, you might have this position, but a lot of it seems to be very emotionally driven and you hear some like slogans and stuff, but they don't really hold up when you start to pull the thread on like, well, why do you think that way? Um, so, you know, again, I think we should be finding ways if the lower 48 is 70 ish percent private, and we want to have more and more hunting access. We need to figure out private land and, Private land costs money, uh, costs money to maintain, costs money to pay taxes. So, you know, the idea that we're just going to have open public access to private lands all over the country, it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, so we need to figure out a model that makes both parties happy. And I think we're, I think we're building that model. Um, 
And I, I have examples, I mean, just here in town, you know, everyone kind of understands Bozeman. Again, you mentioned Yellowstone and that yeah. show and, you know, Bozeman's part of that. Uh, but we have, we have a couple of ranchers here just down the road from us. We were out there yesterday, fifth generation ranch. Like they, their ranch was established before Montana was a state. Um, like, oh. And they're right outside, they're right outside Bozeman and they're right on the way up to Big Sky, which is, you know, big money. He could sell his ranch tomorrow and be worth a hundred million dollars and like, you know, generational wealth. Uh, but he's not going to. I mean, we talk all the time. He's like, no, I'll never, I won't. As long as I can pay property taxes and make the thing pencil out, like we won't sell it because it is more than a real estate asset to him. It is his family's legacy. And I want those types of people owning ground because they look at it more than just a real estate asset. Because as soon as it changes hands from a family like that, you know, maybe it's not the next buyer, but it's going to be the next one after that. And like his property is 2,700 homes and all that habitat's gone, you know, and, and by the way, if he ever decides that he wants to sell his property, I'm for it because that's his right. And again, I'm for property rights, but if we can find ways and, and his story is not unique, all the multi-generation families that we, that we know and work with, I've heard the story again and again, man, we're just trying to figure out how to make it work or we're going to have to sell. It's, it, they don't want to um, because it, it, it loses the legacy. But at the end of the day, this is, we work, you know, we work and live in a market economy and it costs money to live and it takes money to pay taxes and property. So I look at what we're doing as a way, it's not a silver bullet, but it is another tool in the toolbox to help them generate income from that operation to be able to keep that in their family. <clears throat> yeah. So if there are landowners listening that say, I've got property, but it's not really set up for hunters. Do you guys have um, some type of service to help them figure out food plots or how, what they should be planting or like just aiding in um, how they can develop their properties to be more attractive for the hunter to invest, you know, and come there. Yeah. Just, you know, we, yeah. So here's, here's what I'll say to that because these are properties that are, are working lands. Um, their attractiveness I guess I'll say, here's the types of hunters we attract. We attract people who want to do do-it-yourself. And essentially what we facilitate is what, what has been known for a long time as a trespass fee, right? So, hey, I'm just giving you exclusive access to my property for the day or the week or whatever it is. It's do-it-yourself. <laughs> We're not hunting guides. This is a, a hunting lodge. We're over here working. This is where we live and work. But you can come out and enjoy it. So we do have... You know, to make it easier and a little bit more attractive, um, you know, we'll map the properties. So we partner with Onyx and HuntWise. And so we'll do digital maps of the properties where we mark gates and, you know, stands or, you know, no-go zones, whatever, parking areas. Um, and so we send all that stuff over to the to the hunters after they end up booking the property. Um, with arrival instructions, um, we do have programs where we'll give landowners game cameras. So you know, game cameras are a little bit different for upland birds, but um, for big game, uh, it helps It helps them at least start to show uh, the guests like, hey, this is the kind of wildlife that yeah. we support here on the property. Um, and we are working on partnerships with the or like the nonprofits. So turkeys being a big one um, this last year, again, we did more turkey bookings than anything else. Turkey hunters are 
rabbit um, where we can connect landowners with actual experts. Like we don't pretend to be experts in habitat. That's not, you know, we're, we're a marketplace operator, but if we can make, um, you know, partnerships and connections between landowners who have turkeys on their land and the biologists from those organizations, you know, it's funny when we first meet ranchers and we talk to them about turkey hunting, they're like, who would pay to go turkey hunting? Like ranchers do not look at turkeys the way turkey hunters do. <laughs> you know, like, like we see them every day. You can shoot all of them. I don't really care. Um, but then once they list turkey hunting and they start making some money and hosting people and see the passion there and like see the income opportunity, we've had ranchers come back and say, Hey, how do we make better turkey habitat? Yeah. It just makes sense. Right. It's it now right. it was an unrealized asset. Now it's an asset. And so, you know, again, we don't pretend to be the experts on habitat and all that kind of stuff, but we will do the partnerships with the organizations that are like, Hey, here's how you can attack this and create better habitat and a better, more durable income stream for you. That is, that is key because I love working with the organizations um, within our country that connect people, they connect and yep. educate people. And it's powerful. I've met my, my closest friends through that and I'm just a huge fan. So I was like, it's got to work for you. Like so it's got to be a backbone of, of what you guys are doing just to have that support for people. What organizations do you like that you've worked with? Um, I've worked, well, I'm currently working with SCI Delta waterfowl mm -hmm. are like the two. I've heard um, good things about Delta for sure. Yeah. I'll show up at, you know, we talked about ducks and learner before we talked about CSF. We, um, mm -hmm. QF PF I've done a lot of, of things in the past with them as well. So, and it's well, almost you know, it's, like yeah. once you get your group of friends, you just kind of like yeah. rotate around and you get involved kind of everywhere just because of interest. And then it keeps people connected year round. You know, it's interesting. Maybe I'll say something controversial. Um, do it. I am, I am known to do, but we <laughs> like, we'd love to, we'd love to partner with these organizations again. It's in our best interest. So, um, we are not afraid of the word profit. Like we are a for-profit company. We want to build a big profitable business right and right. a lot of these obviously all the organizations are nonprofit. um it's interesting when you start to get into that world and try to do these partnerships uh i mean even with pfqf um you know it's been tough to try to work with those guys because anything they do on private they want like open public access and i understand the motivation for that um obviously it's great to have access for folks but that mindset is not going to scale very well because landowners like their property rights. And one thing I've learned through this process is like control is very, very, it's probably the most important thing to especially producers like farmers and ranchers. And by tying any sort of work to requiring, you know, a, an open public access program, it's just not going to scale. They'll do some stuff and that's great. Again, we're, we're all for it. Uh, if the landowner wants to do it, awesome. But it has been interesting kind of running into that, like, well, you know, pay to play. It's like, yeah, the farmer has to pay to play to live here. <laughs> so, like, again, this is it's just a, it's a weird it's a really weird thing that we really only see in hunting. Again, we do facilitate other stuff like fishing. We're getting to the RV world, we foraging, all sorts of cool stuff. No other user groups have the same perspective. It's just the hunters for some reason and like a subsect of the hunters. Like, are we entitled or something? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I've, I've definitely you seen raise it. your eyebrows. <laughs> I've definitely seen it. I don't know any other piece of, I don't know, I don't know anything else where you'd go to somebody else's house or land and say, I want to, I expect to use that for free. 
that's a weird mindset, you know, like, Hey, I, I see your tractor there. I expect, I expect to give access to that for free. Um, I don't know. It is, uh, it is something I've observed. So I said my controversial thing for the day. <laughs> for the day. Well, I mean, you got to put it out there and people have to be educated and they have to understand like what's going on because the people are making up organizations, right? Like if, if that's the story and people are supporting your cause, well, that may raise a red flag. People need to get involved. They need to see what's going on and make the decisions for themselves because um, the ranchers are, they're, they're getting hit hard left yes. and right every single day right now. And so I feel like for what they are giving us, the least we could do is give back if they're open to hosting hunters. That's right. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny. It's just because you pay for something, uh, it doesn't mean it gets, and we've observed the opposite that it's like taken as granted, taken as theirs. Uh, I mean, our landers, again, when you read the reviews, they're just, the guests are so thankful. Yeah. You might've paid to go out there, but that's still their home. And, you know, so it, it is always an opportunity, whether it's for free or whether you pay for access, um, it's through a government program, whatever. This is still that person's property. And oftentimes where they, you know, they live and work and raise their families. So gratefulness for the opportunity should always be the baseline. Oh, I raised my girls on the humble, grateful heart. <laughs> oh, okay, I like it. Yeah. Humble, grateful heart. I said, if you attack every situation with a humble, grateful heart, you will make the best decision you can with the knowledge you have in the moment. I like it. Yeah. I might have to steal that from you. You can have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been so interesting. I'm so happy to promote your, your, your company and the things that you guys are doing because we're actually promoting the ranches. And, and I think like, not to just bypass your efforts or whatever, but it's really cool to have that connection with these landowners. Of course. Yeah. It, it, no, that that connection is paramount. And the other thing, you know, you look at this, all of our, a, a majority of our land and landowners are in really rural areas. And so not only by, you know, using land trust to book stuff on properties are the landowners themselves generating income, but then you're bringing people into these really small towns they're, as you were talking about buying gas, you know, having a beer at the bar, breakfast, like they're, it's rural economic development. So yeah. the, the better we get at doing what we do, the more money we're bringing into these rural communities, which is really important. Yeah. I don't think that you can have a better hunting story at the end of your trip than to say, like, you're so proud of what you gave back to small town America. Yeah. And, and, and I always like to, say you know who we are and what we are and also who shouldn't use us and i think it helps you know so in the big game world i often say like hey if you need to kill a 200 inch buck or you're not happy you should not use land trust now that is not to say that we don't have properties that you probably could do that on but it's a mindset and i'm not saying right. anything bad about the mindset but if you need to do yeah. that and you drew a rare tag and like you waited six years and you're going by yourself like hire an outfitter hire a guy like go get it done yeah. hopefully i can do that one day um and I think in the bird in, in the upland world, it's like if you need to go shoot limits six days in a row on a property, like, you know, that would be super cool. But I would recommend you don't use land trust. And again, that's not to say that we don't have properties that you might be able to do that. But it's more of the mindset. People who use land trust are looking for just a quality outdoor experience with friends and family around this thing yeah. that we love to do. And, you know, exclusive access, especially with bird hunting knowing that you have that locked in and it's just yours and your friends or families for the day, the week that you book it to me, that is 
that is the most important thing. And yes, being successful in the field and, you know, shooting some birds and, and all that is amazing. But if the mindset is like, Hey, if we don't do limits every day where it was a bad trip, don't use land trust. Um, I think it's just the know. coolest thing because where your land's located, there should be public land somewhere around there. So it's, it's yeah. so easy to double dip there. And I've For done sure. that almost all the time, especially when I was tournament hunting, it was like, you'd have your tournament and then you'd hunt to the next one, you know? And yep. so like you, you take advantage of all opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, like I said, we really want to focus on people who are, are really focused on the experience. I'm not saying anything bad about, you know, if you want to go shoot limits every day, I've definitely had the mindset before it and, you know, rarely achieved it. Um, but it's just, I, I just think that it's important to say, this is who we are. This is the type of hunters that we serve. Um, and our landowners really appreciate that too, because they're not shooting preserves. These are not guides and outfitters. They're not, you know, hunting operations. These are farmers and ranchers who have great land that they steward that has great, you know, opportunity, but it's, it's not that other thing. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, it's important to know who you are and who you are. It's so funny that you talk about that. Cause I was talking with a buddy on the phone the other day and I was like, all the miles when we get up, we fight the weather and we walk mm -hmm. and we walk and we walk and we're out there like, why are we doing this? This is so hot. <laughs> and then it's like the sun goes down and it's always magical, right? Like that sun yes. back to the truck, you go to dinner. All you can talk about is what you're going to do the next day. And it's yep. like the entire day. You're like, I can't believe we're doing this. It's we're a disease. <laughs> yes. a sickness. I, I think that is, it's super cool. Uh, yeah. It's, so it's, it's why we do what we do. And, you know, for me going outdoors, I don't, I mean, I shoot, I think I got to hunt three days last year. Again, I have three young daughters and, you know, uh, so uh, for me, like being able to just go outside to be disconnected from technology and from work and not have to stress about like, shoot, there's six other trucks at the trailhead or in the parking lot. And now what am I going to go do? Like, I like, just being out there by myself or with the group that I'm with and being outdoors. And of course being successful is a huge cherry on top, but you know, it's really about just getting outside and being able to relax and focus, especially with dogs, being able to watch your dogs work. And yeah. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that was your problem why you didn't get those limits. You just had, the I know, right. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> die hard enough. <laughs> well, I've never had six dogs so uh yeah it definitely helps to have more dogs okay so just to recap on the promo it's all american right. shooting 15 for up to 500 dollars value and you can use that either in a call in to land trust or you can use it booking online yeah yeah and when you create your account we'll ask you I, I, this is a, a good point to make if you're just hearing this you say yeah that sounds kind of interesting i don't know if i really want to do anything this year I would encourage you it's free to create an account and so when you create an account with land trust as a as a guest we ask you like, Hey, what are you interested in hunting, fishing, you know, RVs, other farm and ranch experiences, whatever. When you tell us you're interested in hunting, we ask you what state you live in. Um, and then what states you're interested in and what species you're interested in. So, you know, you live in Georgia, but you're interested in, you know, upland bird hunting in North Dakota in Montana and South Dakota, Nebraska, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so what happens when you tell us that stuff is every single time we get new properties that match what you tell us you like, we send it to you. So you'll get like a text message and an email like, hey, we just got a new 2,500 acre farm in North Dakota that has upland bird Oh, hunting. so cool. And then you just forward it to your buddies. So, yeah. So uh, this is why I'm, I'm saying even if it's marginally interesting to you, it's totally free. It'll take you one minute to create an account. Do it. 
And we're just, we, we're essentially scouting for you 365 days a year for free. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like we'll just literally send you all the time. We'll be sending you properties, only properties that match the things that you tell us you're interested in. We won't send, yeah. we won't bombard you with other stuff that you don't care about. Um, but, you know, use us to scout for you. Uh, oh really man, I love is. this so much. So well, I, uh, I would encourage you. Yeah. Yeah, thank thank you. you for telling us your story and for sharing about the opportunities out there, because um, this I think this is such a great way for families to get new hunters out there and then young. Yes. Hunters. Like, yes. this is this is such a great way for them to feel life outside of a preserve. Um, yes. You know, it's kind of guided, but you're still on your own and it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Do it yourself. It's safe. You know, that's something, especially, you know, when you start bringing kids into the mix. Oh, I mean, one of my favorite stories going back to like, we were a month old as a company and I got a frantic call from a dad one night on a Friday night um, in the middle of rifle season up here. And he's like, I got two daughters. I think they're like eight and 10 years old or 10 and 12 years old. Like I've driven all over God's green earth to public. And it's just, there's so many people. I don't feel safe, you know, especially rifle season. Right. Uh, and luckily, literally that day, we were onboarding a new property right kind of where he was. And he booked it for whatever, 200 bucks or something for the day, the next day. And, you know, his both his girls got one of his girls shot a doe and the other one, they saw a bunch of deer and just had a phenomenal time. And, you know, he'll never remember the money he paid for it, but he'll always remember that experience. And he felt safe. His girls had a fantastic time. Um, so that, those are the things that, yeah, that make you feel good about what you're doing. Awesome. Well, you guys, if you're interested, go check out landtrust.com. Give them a call. Ask them questions. Figure out where you're hunting this season. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Sure. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me